0: About developing a data culture in order to best leverage your human capital. Dr. Jonathan Fowler, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from South Carolina. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about developing a data culture in order to best leverage your human capital. Uh, Organizations for for a long time have been talking about the importance of data analytics, people analytics, and making more data-informed decisions, yet it's been my experience that most organizations still continue to really struggle in this area Uh, knowing what to measure, how to measure it, how to actually utilize the data that they collect in a meaningful way to drive improvement. Uh, And so there's lots of different ways we could take a conversation around data culture. We're going to be focusing primarily on the people side of that, uh, people data culture, uh, both in terms of leaders and uh, employees in the organization adopting a culture of, of data but also in, in using that data to leverage better performance, um, better engagement, and those sorts of things within your organization as well. As we get started, I wanted to share Jonathan's bio with everybody. Jonathan Fowler is founder of Logical Analytics and Technical Lead, currently serving as CEO. He has been in the data analytics field since 2007. His background in the humanities gives him a unique perspective on data analytics as narrative and experience in education as a teacher and counselor help bring a nurturing mindset to the practice dr fowler has served as a sole or lead analytics developer in the fields of consumer product goods, manufacturing, banking, law, and human resources, as well as IT-managed services. He has worked at both the team lead and individual contributor role in data engineering, data integration, predictive analytics, and data visualization. He has acted as the outsource chief data officer and chief operating officer for implementing company data strategies. Always an educator, Dr. Fowler has taught at the graduate level for analytics and data sciences and has published multiple papers in the field. He has his doctorate in big data analytics from Colorado Technical University, his master's in education and BA in English from Clemson University. His doctoral research was the early core of the LDIS analytics impact framework. I'll let you describe that for us here in a little bit. Uh, pleasure to have you. It's great to have someone with your expertise, both uh, from a uh, academic and research and, and teaching side, but also from a uh, uh, practitioner uh, executive side. Uh, anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive
1: on in further? Uh, no, I, well, I would call out, um, I, I love sort of surprising people uh, when, when they ask, you know, well, how'd you get into analytics? Like, well, I was an English major to begin with, and they go, well, how did that happen? Um, but that just goes to show that this field is not just for the, uh, you know, always a computer science person, it will, it, it takes any and all kinds, and that's what makes it a great field.
0: That's right. And my background's in sociology. uh, And I also am a data wonk myself. So uh, fantastic. It's good to have people from all different backgrounds in this area. Pleasure to have you. As we get started, let's talk about data culture. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, there's lots of different ways we can take a conversation around data culture. I think most organizations would say they want a data culture, but there's a big gap between intention and actual practicalities and implementation. So what do you mean by data culture and how can we start to really embed that kind of a culture and support it within our organizations?
1: As early as 2011 there uh was a, it was a study I cited uh in some of my early research about um you know what are the what are the biggest hurdles for companies to realize their analytics potential? And the majority of the reasons were around uh, what were called cultural and managerial issues. And that actually um, those two things are always brought up in surveys for what's holding us back. Um, There's this focus and there's, there's so much noise in the space right now. Uh, Vendors are really good at, at saying that our product is going to do it all. Our product is going to solve all your analytics issues, and for the uninitiated, for you know, for your regular business owner, you go, okay, well, this let's let's get that right, um, and then you realize that okay, for me to install and run uh, and implement you know this package for analytics let's say we spend you know a lot of money on tableau or looker or something uh we realize wait a minute our data actually has to be clean to get in there and if you take even a step back from that well data gets clean and is utilized properly uh and tells us what it needs to tell us because we actually generate that data and we have guardrails around it and we understand that we're all kind of working toward the same goal here That's the data culture. And so we're missing, uh, it's, you know, what capital expenditure can we make to make all of our problems go away? Uh, Whereas it's like, that's a quick fix, right? As opposed to, well, what do you mean I need to have a glossary for uh, abbreviations? What do you mean I need to have clear roles and responsibilities and data owners and stewards? Um, this sounds like HR stuff, this isn't data stuff. Uh, let me give you money and you, you install some software for me to use and go away. That's what we're missing. Uh, or well, that's the that's the problem which leads to us missing the data culture.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. And you talked about data cleaning, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, for data wonks like you and I, you know, we we probably are, you know, our are, our are, are spidey. Senses go off, you know, whenever we start to talk about the quality of data and, uh, and having clean data actually is a really challenging thing. Uh, and maybe you can describe for listeners who maybe don't have a huge uh, amount of background in, in data analytics. What does that actually mean to have clean data?
1: I've got a great example and it makes me chuckle every time. Uh, I did, did some work for a uh, consumer product uh, manufacturer and they had, I think, let me think there was, just to abbreviate the word shampoo, they had they had more variations of abbreviations than there were letters in the actual word shampoo. And so, you know, we're running reports, marketing's getting their stuff, and, you know, they're looking at what they thought the abbreviation should be, and the numbers are underreported because there are 10 other abbreviations. Um, there's also one that just defies all common sense, there was a product called Blonde Experience, and of course, it, they were using AS400 mainframe for a lot of their their core system, and so they had a character limit, and so the abbreviation for Blonde Experience was B L N D Experience. I'm going, to, wait, you you abbreviated the shorter word in in the phrase, okay, um, so. Those are two extreme examples, but you know, data cleaning and having clean data is everybody understands and expects common definitions around abbreviations, around how numbers are represented, uh, around how okay you you're responsible for creating this field, they're responsible for for this set. Just anything that would lead to a data set giving oddball numbers for no known reason that usually falls into data cleansing. Cause it's usually somebody misspelled this or uh, somebody fat fingered that. And we've all done it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, garbage data in garbage results out. And exactly if you, if you don't go through the process, like you said in your examples, massive underreporting. So you're trying to make business decisions without actual data. I mean, you'd be better off, you know, just making decisions completely blindly than following the the results, you know, that that aren't actually accurate. And so right. it, it's a big challenge. And and anyone who's worked in data a lot, you know that that can take a lot of time. Uh, I've worked with with organizations and data projects after the fact. So they've been collecting data from processes and different intakes and all these different things. They have all this data they've been collecting for sometimes years and they yeah. haven't really been using it and they're not really sure what to do with it, but they want <clears throat> to measure and, and better understand if they're having the impact that they want to have, or are they accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish? All those things, right? And so I, so I asked them, so, okay, what data do you have? Um, there was one organization where they, they share that with me. It took better part of six months just to get everything into a usable format, to then actually be able to do something with it, right? And in that mm-hmm. instance, I mean, they're probably better off at that point just scrapping everything and 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 putting things in place and starting fresh, putting you know with a, a good process with with good data in the first place. Uh, and so, anyways, if you don't have the the good data in the first place, you're really going to be struggling. You're going to be making bad decisions, uh, and So that data culture around making sure that everyone takes ownership, like you said, you have data owners, data stewards, um, that everyone is sharing a common language around what they're doing and shared expectations. All of that's Mm -hmm. going to be really, really essential, no matter what type of data you're talking about within your organization. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if we're talking now specifically about people data, People analytics. Um, you know, not only am I trying to develop a data culture um, more broadly and generally throughout the organization, but if I'm if I'm trying to better understand things like employee engagement, employee turnover, productivity metrics, uh, KPIs, and, and various uh, metrics like that. Uh, We have to build that data culture into other processes around coaching, mentoring, performance management, that people understand uh, how the data is going to be leveraged, you know, for them to be able to achieve and succeed at their job, how it's going to inform decisions around like what new trainings and learning opportunities are going to be provided for employees so they can improve their performance. Mm -hmm. All of these things start to layer on top of each other, and it has to start with, Good quality data. Everyone taking ownership and responsibility for it, and then utilizing the data that exists in a way. You know, so as a leader, I can utilize that data in a way to actually help improve the performance of my people.
1: Mm-hmm. And understanding that that begin with the end in mind, right? So understanding that this is going to be used for something that typically helps people understand why you need to have some governance around what's being put in you know you need to have clean data it's not just data is not just a byproduct of business processes it is the lifeblood of business processes
0: yeah and and let's talk a little bit you've already referred to some of the challenges with implementations and sometimes it's just being completely naive <laughs> and yes. saying we're just going to throw some money behind this it's going to solve everything that uh, spoiler alert! That's not going to work. Uh, so you're you're going to be in a world of hurt. But what what are the types of um, problems that organizations and leaders tend to face? You know, if we can spell it out more specifically, what are those fail points uh, mm-hmm. while we're trying to go about
1: various analytics implementations? So the biggest one that I, I see is under engagement and under being underserved, and that actually is what drove the core of my my company now is understanding well what do people want what do people need where do we how do we figure out a way to tie together analytics maturity and and sort of what we call aptitudes or analytics personality types you know we have we we human resources is so awash in personality tests uh this is one more of them um, so we're adding to the list but it's around how do you value data, and so let's take for example um, a, a big under engagement example. There was a um, there was a implementation that was done for a uh, government healthcare agency, and there was uh, about 130 million of, of federal money spent on this um, um, this sort of universal, um, health record, you know, what we would consider right now, we go to the hospital, everything's in like Epic, right? Um, basically their version of Epic, but across the entire country. And it was an IBM product. It was a custom build and $130 million later, um, they decided, okay, this was a complete disaster. And one of the reasons it was such a disaster is they were trying. They, they sort of broad brushed this whole thing, and you've got so many different audiences to serve. They did not take into account where everybody was in terms of data literacy, uh, process literacy, what worked that you know what they had right now, what what worked about it, what didn't work about it, and so it was this sort of. Okay, we're going to throw out this monolith and you're going to have to meet. We're not going to meet you where you are. You're going to have to learn new processes. You're going to, you know, just complete disruption. That probably the under engagement and underserving, I forget the numbers, but they're staggering on what uh, I'll have to, I'll, I'll find them. Uh, the numbers are staggering on what companies waste because somebody gets the idea that this particular, vendor has all of our answers and then you get the yes crowd and next thing you know it's got the um, the mandate to implement it and they're going nobody's going to use this because we're just kind of throwing this thing out there for them to figure out on their own and two years later it's forgotten about it was a colossal waste of money and now they're snake bit and very shy about any sort of analytics implementation
0: yeah. I mean, there's, there's no buy-in, there's no support. And so right. of course people are going to resist and then they're just going to find workarounds to to the extent possible they're not held accountable usually in that kind of situation and so eventually like you said things just revert back to status quo and then Mm -hmm. 130 million is that what you said that was that the number 130 million that is crazy now i've i've seen this happen again and again and again in organizations i've never seen it at the 130 million level Um, but tons of tons of waste not just in Mm -hmm. terms of money but also in terms of time and energy Uh, oh that's the
1: hard part too
0: and in in term you just referred to it in terms of kind of the the ongoing culture and resistance towards future implementations so when you have an epic failure of impl- of analytics implementation or any it implementation or any org change implementation it not only costs you in the here and now but what about the next time you need to do something people are going to be even more resistant. They're going to be even Mm -hmm. more frustrated. And it's going to be even harder to do it better, you know, and do it well the next time. And that has a Mm -hmm. huge cost to it also. So for all these reasons, like, yeah, we can't just throw money at it. We we have to support people. Uh, I was talking to an IT person, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about um, new system implementations and how they really strive to make it as simple as possible. That they don't want anyone going more than three clicks deep. Um, and if if it's more complicated than that, then most people won't do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll they'll find workarounds. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, are there times where you have to go more than three clips clips deep? Sure, but uh, the point is. To, to simplify whenever possible, to make it as user-friendly as possible, uh, and then to support people and train people and get them up to speed and hold them accountable so they actually use it.
1: That's right. One of the things you mentioned in there, uh, I would call political capital, where you lose so much of that when like time is one thing, or excuse me, money is one thing, right? Money, you 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 blow 130 million and hey, that might be a drop in the bucket based on your budget or what your revenue is or any of that. But your time and your buy-in from employees, uh, you only have so much political capital that you can use for rollouts. And if one of them goes bad, then okay you, you've got a ding there if another one goes bad all of a sudden now that's that's what is expected and so there's this this jaded feeling across the organization of what's well, one more thing we're going to have to learn and then forget and you know one of the reasons i'm doing what i do is the first time i did sort of my version of this um what we call the LDIS uh an early version of it just the political capital that I got from that where all of a sudden we weren't just another consultant. It wasn't like an office space scene where we're coming in and, you know, we're the bobs and you know it was that bland thing over and over. It was, okay, look, I know that you've been through this, this scene before, but here's how we're different. Here's what we want to know. Here's why. And by the way, you're going to hear and see the results of what you've told me in this next rollout and that uh, yeah the the biggest surprise was the political capital we got from it and that really led me into okay this is not just a data thing this is also a people and hr and culture thing and here we are
0: yeah that's a great example and it kind of gets us into where i want to take the remainder of our conversation and that is around data empathy Mm -hmm. um that That's an important topic in and of itself. Tell us what you mean by data empathy, and then we can explore how we can go about supporting and
1: developing that. Um, it's also known, I think I've heard it called tactical empathy as well. But I mean, empathy in general is just so important in life. Uh, I have said many times that data is not always this black and white thing. Uh, data is nuanced and, and data tells a story. And just like any story, people can get different different things from a story. So let's take, you know, um, in, in a small organization, let's say you've got marketing, HR, and R&D. And, you know, we're all looking at the same data. We're all using, we're all driving to the same purpose. But those three teams look at, and value and use the company's data in very different ways. And, you know, even if we go to something as simple as data governance, we talked about earlier, you know, clean data, right? Well, we need to have a data dictionary, and we need to have standards around abbreviating things for the simple fact that you and I may come in, we think, shampoo, I think of SHP, you think of SPO, right? Um, and we have to have those guardrails because people think differently. And so with data empathy, it's about understanding that I use data, I value data maybe differently. Like I'm in, I'm a more collaborative thinker where I use data to increase participation in the organization and buy-in and collaboration, right? You may be more of the competitive where you use data to make sure that we win the market, we're always on the cutting edge, you want to see KPIs and you want to see accountability. Well, we're in the same company, we're driving to the same goals and it's okay for us to use data differently. Where it comes into play is if a consultant or vendor comes in and has a new ERP or a new BI tool to, to implement, they've got to to really scratch both of our itches. And if all they talk about is commitment to the organization, and this is going to help communication and blah, 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 you're probably not hearing what you want to hear because you're thinking, well, how's this going to help me win in the market? And if all they talk about is that I'm going, well, is this, does this mean we're going to be purely, you know, KPI driven and cold and hard now what happened to fostering communication? So, you know, just that one example, um there, there's there's a a, a a really interesting dynamic happening there. And for anybody, not just a vendor who's wanting to implement something, but CEO, COO, department leads, um, HR people team, you have got to be aware of that because I honestly feel like and and I hesitate to say this a lot, but you know, we're so we are rightly focused on team diversity and plurality. I think data empathy is one of those places that we're we could honestly look at that a little harder when we look at diversity and inclusion because again not to minimize any any other parts of that but hey it's it, this is a material difference that maybe we're not giving enough attention to.
0: Yeah, I think that's right and there's just so many great ways we can utilize Data, uh, when we build that culture, when we establish more data empathy, I love how you talk about uh, the stories we tell with the data that we have and just also recognizing that people, we need to meet people where they're at and they're coming at this from different places, different levels of understanding, different levels of sophistication. Uh, You know, I could go in to a meeting and try to convey, you know, really complex linear models or or multi-level modeling or like all these different super complex things. And guess what? That's not going to be very effective and it's not going to accomplish very much because I'm not meeting people with where they're at. And I need to find the story in the data to be able to be able to share that in a compelling way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we just need to always come back to that and to remember that, uh, to identify core objectives, you know, like you said, begin with the end in mind, understand the objective of what you're trying to accomplish, make sure that you're, you're, um, you're collecting the type of data that will actually help you to get to that objective, right, that you're measuring the right stuff that's actually relevant, that's going to be helpful and useful uh and then as we build this data accountability culture uh and and build it into processes and systems and you know performance and evaluations and all of that as we build it into our deid efforts within the organization it can really enrich uh what we're trying to accomplish it can allow us to make much better decisions uh, Mm -hmm. much more, you know, objectivity is, is sometimes a bit of a, an elusive (laughs) ideal, but, but we can, we can be more informed, less subjective, uh, less biased in how we're going about making our decisions. And that is going to be helpful. Well, Jonathan, this has just been a really fun conversation. I note the time I'm going to have to let you go here Mm -hmm. in just a minute, but before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners, how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah. Um, so our website is logical.us, l o g i c l e. us. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Dr. Jonathan Fowler, and um, we also, you Well, I was going to say we we're on other social media, but we're yeah, we're on LinkedIn. We're on barely on Facebook because uh, I'm not on Facebook. But we are there, Uh, but the website's going to be the best way. And my email address is jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at logical.us.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Jonathan and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. (laughs)